my message to my children is always about health and happiness. If you have those, everything else seems to work. I Believe in You with Lizelle Hartley. Hello and welcome back to I Believe in You, the podcast about setting your goals and achieving your dreams. I'm your host, Lizelle Hartley, a business and personal mentor and author of the Discovery Journal, I Believe in You. This season, we are talking with seven professionals who have taken their passion and turned it into a career. All of our guests are at a different stage of their life and have a different story to share. Deciding on your passion and how you can turn it into a job can seem like a difficult task, especially when you're just starting out. Once you've got up and running, there's another challenge to consider, getting customers. How do you put yourself in front of your potential clients and get them to listen up? Natalie Lane has been helping entrepreneurs build their businesses and connect with clients over a decade. Before she got there, there was a moment where she had decided to become an employer, not the employee. Thanks for joining us on I Believe in You, Natalie. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey? Well, Lizelle, thank you. There have been many ups and downs in my life, like a lot of my clients' lives, but I think ultimately what has driven me to this point is seeing the success of other women that I help. That just motivates me more and more. So my journey has always been about finding happiness out of things. And I've always explained to my children and and friends that if you've got the right motivation, you'll always move forward and your journey will be good. You don't want to always be striving for something that by the time you get there, you've forgotten about what the journey has involved. So my my journey has been about finding happiness from a very young age. I had an odd childhood, um, which entailed coming to Australia. And at, a, at an age where a lot of children are making good friends, um, I was 15 years old, an only child, and came to Australia. So my happiness was interrupted. I made new happiness here, but from a place of sadness, I was didn't realise how traumatised I was from that move. And as I grew and met people in Australia who were very welcoming to me in, in many ways, there were some not so good times as well, but from the people that showed me respect and love and brought me into their circle, that enabled me to see that happiness is what truly, um, for me, is a driving force. Meeting my husband was the next stage of that. You know, that's what we have always strived for. My message to my children is always about health and happiness. If you have those, everything else um, seems to work from there. I don't know why, but for us it does. So just let the listeners just understand a little bit. You was an employee and you moved over to an employer. Tell us, how did that happen? And before you do that, tell us what do you do? Okay, so um, our business is called Your Hive. I have a business partner and we are business management and social media um, consultants, support people, whatever you want to call us. But we're in the space of helping businesses grow through really strategic and practical methods. Um, yes, I was, I've been an employee up until 12 years ago. So it was never in my um, wheelhouse to become 
uh, self-employed or an employer or, or any of those things. I had never thought about it. I had worked for many large organisations and then I worked for one small organisation who was quite inspiring to me. She was a female uh, mortgage broker doesn't really matter what the business was it's just how she conducted her business and how she treated her clients and I just thought wow I really like that and I love being part of her her business and her journey she inspired me to actually go out on my own in some ways without me realizing I decided to make the jump from employee to employer when I became very ill and I had um a health journey to contend with after worrying about my husband going through an awful health journey which proved to be um, not something that occurred but then I became sick and my husband and I were already in the stage of our life about planning better financially for when the children leave home and all those sorts of things so I have always said that you know when something happens to somebody you change your life we've had we had a, a a close family friend pass away we'd had friends that were sick and I always said oh I'm going to change I'm going to do this I'm going to do that but I never did until it happened to me so I often say you, you've got to walk a mile in someone's shoes before you can make decisions or assumptions or judgment about somebody so for me when I was sick it made me really think about what I wanted in the future did I want to carry on working for somebody else and I just had this laser precision thought that I really wanted to work for myself I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it but I knew that I wanted to work with female entrepreneurs in some way um, assisting them grow their businesses that was it um, and I was very lucky to be introduced to somebody who needed somebody at the time and she's still a client today so it's as if your journey has been laid out for you and it just fall in place so you had that in the back of your mind it's very rare that somebody will say, when I'm not well, I'm starting my business. Because I always say to my clients, you need to be positive, you need to have energy, because starting your own business takes quite a, a lot of extra time, a lot of energy, all of that. And for you, it's quite interesting that at the time when you wasn't well, that was what led you change that direction. Yeah, I think, again, it was about seeking happiness. It was understanding probably that I was never going to be truly happy as an employee, you know, getting up at the same time every morning, driving to my job, which I loved. Don't get me wrong, I loved my job. But there was something missing. And I think being a, a seeker of happiness, you know, I've always said when you've got that mindset, I'm not saying it's the best mindset, it's just my mindset. But when you have that mindset, you make decisions for the right reasons rather than based off money or based off what other people think you should do or what your competitor or your potential competitor is doing. If you make it from a place of it's going to make me happy, it's going to make my family happy, then I think you make a good decision. Going back to your business, your business, your hive, got the logo that I love, love, love. I have never come across another logo that I'm so in love with. And you know, when we meet up, I think it's about eight months ago, I didn't know who you was, but I know your logo. So how did that come about? Because that is, maybe it's because that's how I am. It's so inviting. It's so rememberable. I think from being in the business that Katrina and I are in, we're very aware that brand is a major part of what we do, particularly when we're working um, with strong social media sets out there in the world. And there are a lot of women that um, are sort of doing a cookie cutter approach to their 
uh, brand and social media and it gets a bit lost. Mm. Now, Katrina and I, I'm going to be really honest, we didn't have time to create our brand and we are, you know, we tell tell people outsourcing to people that know what they're doing is really important. So we took some of our own advice for once and we got a, a brand specialist on board and we went through a brand journey with them and they asked us lots of questions and I'm going to say they were random questions. Um, and there was, do you like this or do you like this? You know, there was all, and asking us about where our business started, how it's grown, what do we do? How do we help our clients? And the name Your Hive was already established, but the actual uh, brand around it wasn't. And the brand we had before, I'll have to say, was pretty shocking. So what we have now was the first round edit of what our brand Um, company came up with and we went to the meeting and they put it on the screen and Katrina and I went that's perfect is exactly what we were looking for we are these little busy bees in this big world helping women grow and thrive their business and feeling happy so that's what that brand represents you know um, you know a world a, a happiness trying to find uh some clarity for us that separates us from other people in what we do and hopefully our brand does that it does because even I'm very critical and I found myself when we travel or when I drive in the car I don't look at buildings or cars I look at the brands what did they think why did that and probably because it's just so much part of what I do every day to help my clients find that but your brand, I can honestly say, is one of my favorite, favorite. Thank you. And it stands out. So I can also say that that's what I start doing with my clients is you don't go to a graphic designer and say, draw a picture for me or draw a logo for me. It's all about the message. Because Correct. when I look at your brand, I can feel I'm welcome. I can feel, yes, it's moving myself to the next level, but there's going to be fun involved. Mm-hmm. And whenever you go on social media, I don't even have to look for you. You just pop out. Oh, there you are. There's your hive. Yeah. And that's what I absolutely love, love, love yeah. about it. And I appreciate you saying that because one of the things that we often um, see with our clients is their brand is so close to them that they can't actually see. It doesn't tell their story. Mm. So your brand needs to... I suppose feel as if it's you it doesn't need to uh it doesn't have to be so specific it just that's why working with a brand specialist is really good because they know what questions to ask and I certainly would not have come up with that brand or Katrina we would never have come up with that brand. yeah I I strong believe in of a brand specialist as well and if you look at your brand it break all the rules of 10 years ago so I think that's also what attracted me so to it because that it's not supposed to be so loose it's not supposed to be so happy it's business we need to be serious but it's the opposite and I think that's why I absolutely love it and that's one of the things that we do with our clients one of the biggest things to me when we sit down with a client for their social media I will always say I can do the cookie cutter approach that lots of people do, but I I choose not to because I choose to do the storytelling approach. And if we do the storytelling approach, it's A, I find it's more successful and B, it's more authentic. We're telling the true story of the business owner. So now something else that a lot of us out there have a big question about. You mentioned Katrina's name a few times. 
We know that in business, you get more unsuccessful stories than successful stories with partners. Tell us what is the success of your story by having a partner in your business? Well, it's a, a great observation. We know lots of partnerships that don't work. Mm. Katrina and I were never friends before we were uh, partners, and I think that is a big problem. A lot of people go into business partnerships when they're friends, and that causes issues. Katrina and I have become friends since being partners. However, what has made us successful is we, whilst we're very similar in many ways, which we've realised over the years, um, we both have very strong um, opinions about things and strong skill sets, which are complete polar opposites, which help us serve our business and our clients better. So we just... Again, my happiness drives a lot of things. We choose what we're going to actually, like sometimes I don't agree with Katrina or she doesn't want to uh, think my opinion might be right on something. But we choose what's important to each other to actually work through. So if it's really important to her, I'm not going to push it. Likewise, if something's really important to me, we're not going to push it. It's really, is it worth that argument? Actually, in nearly four and a half, five years, we've never had an argument. But stepping into that partnership, were you a bit concerned? Was there some things that you think, this is a big step, I look around me, partnership doesn't work, why would my partnership work? We've all only got Mm 24-7. And at the time, our business model worked around sort of hours that I worked and I was getting subcontractors in. Katrina was one of my subcontractors that helped me with a particular job. And um, we had met at a social event prior to that. Um, And I could see she was more than a subcontractor. And likewise, she could see that I needed more than just me trying to run a business because even though I can run a business, it's not my strongest, um, my strongest skill. So together we actually, it just became sort of an organic thing that we went, we worked on a lot of things together, had a discussion around it. I will say there was a bottle of wine involved at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we began and we had this timeline of, I think, um, of about a year that we were going to sort of um, establish what the business looked like. But six weeks later, we'd done all of that and we launched. It just seemed the right fit. I felt that we had nothing to lose at that point in time. We only had things to gain. And uh, again, being a positive person, uh, you know, I sort of thought, well, if it all goes wrong, what have I really lost? Um, We agreed that when we went in, we were taking certain clients into the business each and that if it didn't work, we would um, leave with those clients. So, uh, and that has now just evolved I love that positive outlook on that because really, what do you have to lose? So now another question I want to ask, when you got into this partnership, did you and Katrina make sure that you had an agreement that was in place that nobody get hurt and even if you walk away from each other, that it was on good terms? Yes. So we did everything by the book. We set the business up legally and everything before we even started. So we had um, legal documents drawn up. We made sure that um, our company was protected um, by our contracts and that has given us both a position of, um, I suppose, not insurance, but real clarity. So mm-hmm. before we got into actually working with our clients as a, as a team, we had a, those documents there that if ever, anything ever did go wrong, we go back to those. We've made the agreements to protect both of us 
I have seen so many people go into these things and two years down the track, they're arguing over who owns this, who owns that, what money they need to get out of the business, who's the client belong to. And I didn't want to be in that position. So whilst it does cost, it is a cost to your business, but it's a greater cost down the track if you don't get that correct legal advice. And Natalie, I also think what happened there is it gives you peace of mind. Because you go hard and soul into this business and you know we have decided together because part of the problems in partnership is I put so much time in and you put less or I bring this expertise and you don't have it. But by having it written out on a contract and you even know what do I need to bring to this business and what do my partner bring, that kind of make you at ease that we it's long term. That's correct. I mean, and Kat and I have different ways of working. So our working Mm -hmm. styles are very different. So you have to consider not just the money side of things and who's putting in more or it's your working styles. Uh, It's even down to things like, well, I think it's quite interesting uh, conversation actually, because we've even got to think about, okay, well, if you're a morning person and you work from 5am till lunchtime and that's your real um the zone where you can really concentrate but the other person's a real night owl you still have to be able to work with each other to find a way to mutually benefit the business so Kat and I tend to do a bit of that so Kat's a real morning person I tend to work um a bit at night um but we make it work Mm. we make it work because There'll be some days that I'm working and I look at the clock and I realise it's really late. And there'll be other days when I can see she's sending emails at 5am. Mm. But it's I will try to take Fridays off, but she might work over the five days. We, we're not too worried about hours or all of those things. It's about um, outcomes. So what we're actually giving to the business, um, what it needs to be done. Uh, so what needs to be done. Um, if the outcome is there, then we're both happy. I do like that. Focus on the outcome and not how much hours or how that person get to that outcome. As long as the outcome is there and it's positive and it works for the business, that's good. But I also like your positive attitude for giving space for a different way of doing things and a different personality. And I think that's probably one of the keys that your partnership is so successful. And you mentioned earlier today, you said sometimes... We disagree, but it's so important for her and it's not really an important thing for me. So I just step away and go with her way. So that's also a very good attitude to have towards those kind of things. So thanks for sharing that because that is quite gold for um, me and all the listeners out there that listen to this today because a lot of them sitting, will I take a partner in or will I do it by myself? And they have these questions. Or they even been approached to be a, in a partnership, but because there's such a negative stamp on partnership, they hold back. So it's so great to hear a positive story on it. So now my next question is, we all have hassles in the business. Tell me a little bit of what is the hassle you deal with now and also what was hassles that nearly bring you down? My biggest challenge, I have a personal and a practical. The personal challenge is knowing that I need to be cloned in some ways. You know, we've all only got 24-7. You know, we we all only have that. And I'm a bit of a workaholic um, because it makes me happy. I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy the buzz of of doing something. And I, uh, that's just who I am. Um, But as I've got older, I have realized that 
I can't do everything and I'm not skilled to do everything either. So um, it, one of the hassles I've had is, I suppose it segues into the practical, is finding the right people to support us, um, whether that be subcontractors or staff. Um, and I've always felt that, you know, I, I haven't got uh, a university education or any of those things. I've sort of pulled myself through most of my, my working career. So for me, surrounding myself with people that do know what they're doing um, is very important. Um, I'm a very good big picture thinker and I can do detail, but I, I need people that practically can do things. So that segues into staffing. Staffing and subcontractors, when you have a business and it is growing, and that's what we help clients with, you know, we help them grow and make their business thrive. That's really our core fundamental goal for our clients. So when we do that with our clients, we understand that they're going to go through the same things that we've been through and, and getting the right people for the right job is very difficult. It's not always that they can't do the job. Sometimes it's that they don't fit in. Sometimes it's that the way they work doesn't suit our way of working, even though we are extremely flexible. Um, so we, at one time, I, I can't, Kat would correct me here, but I think we had a team of five subcontractors and it didn't work. It just did not work for us. Um, it became very clear that I was suddenly not working on client work, that I was just managing contractors and that didn't make me happy. So back to my motivation of wanting to be happy, that wasn't making me happy. And I was constantly dealing with clients that were saying, oh, that hasn't been done or this hasn't been done. Because a lot of contractors, their main focus is their business, not your business helping the clients. So we've returned to a staffing model. We do still have, we have a wonderful subcontractor that still works with us um, and I'm very grateful for her help and she we never get any problems with her but we also have staff so our staffing model works a bit different where we actually obviously have employed people and when you've got employees you can be a little bit more um, I suppose stringent on what you're looking for um, not just accept that somebody says they can do something you can actually really work with them and mold them into the role it has had its challenges um, with staff leaving um, when you didn't expect them to, um, as well as onboarding new staff at a time when you're extremely busy. Um, and you wonder whether <laughs> you do doubt yourself for a moment, you think, oh my God, am I doing the right thing again? But once you get past that and you can see the staff members growth and see them starting to enjoy fitting in, and suddenly uh, yesterday with one of our new staff members, she was saying some things and I went, that is great. That is amazing. I hadn't even thought of that for that client. So you then start to get that um, happiness again from the staff members actually seeing it through the client's eyes, the work. So yeah, it, but it's a struggle. It can be a struggle because I don't really want to be managing people all day, every day. And with staff members, you put some you put an investment into them, you send them on training, you spend that hours training them, everything. and then we all know staff is not going to stay forever. So that is, that's also the kind of challenge we take, but, or risk we take, but that same risk you take in a partnership. So that same risk you take in employing a staff member, and then again, you just hope for the best outcome and put everything into that to see what's the outcome. And um, sometimes 
we hit the nail on the head. Sometimes you get this amazing staff member that just understand your language, understand it well. I must say, with my strong accent, my husband's always so nervous when I tell him I'm employing someone because he reckoned that I speak in half sentences and sometimes not even English, and I want my staff member to understand that. But I must say, I was very lucky taking a risk um, now a year ago on a girl and she cannot understand Afrikaans but she can understand my whole sentences she understand my accent and she can convey whatever I want into words and things and it is so great when you sit in a chair and you have half sentences and you look what she produced and that's exactly what you want so yes a year later but again you have to step into that place where you take that chance you say I'm going to take a chance on you you do you do have to take a chance and and there's a part of it that from uh, what you just said you know a staff member won't be there forever so you have to make your your onboarding process as fairly streamlined as you can um, that doesn't take you forever in a year and that is where good processes and systems come into place if your business has those then when your staff member comes on board it's not so onerous on on the staff on the business however i am a very strong believer that you can give 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 and people can take 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 you need to find where that where that happy spot is in between where your staff member feels appreciated mm-hmm. and you feel that you've got the respect and getting the work done that you need i definitely think there is something to be said in not being over friendly not having to you, you have to find that in small business especially, mm. you have to find that position that enables you to still run your business and be in control, mm. but for your staff member to feel included. And finding that is always different with each staff member because they've all got something, you know, it's, it's, it's not linear. It's, you, you have to work out what makes them tick and, and, and bring something to them to make them want to grow and flourish in your business. And you use the word there, respect. So that for me, I'm always stand by that. Yeah. Have respect both sides. But if there's respect in a relationship, you go so much further because you don't overstep the line. Natalie, you also mentioned systems in place. And that is what you guys are all about. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us how important is that in any business? It's extremely important, especially for a small business. We, you know, a lot of business owners will think systems and processes only belong to the big corporations or the big businesses, but they don't. They're so important to a small business owner, particularly if you were sick or you went on holiday. Who's going to run your business and how is it going to be done? So systems and processes don't have to be big manuals. You know, they don't have to be big pages of, you know, documents. They, they can be as simple as a one page or on your software, a set of steps. So for us, systems and processes are very important. We have fine-tuned our business systems and processes without going overboard because they're always going to change. But you have a starting point, some steps, and an exit point. And all of those are different depending on what the piece of work is. You know, we do a lot of work around social media and we have a very set process of how we induct the client how we um, understand their brand, how we understand their voice, their message, their storytelling, how we produce their content, how we plan to produce their content, and then how we actually give that to them to look at, review, approve, and schedule. So 
when you reverse engineer anything that you do in your job, I mean, and we all have processes if we work, we have our own business. If you reverse engineer that, you'll see all the steps and it just takes either writing them out and then getting someone to actually make that into a process for you. It's not difficult once you once you get into the swing of it, you've just got to, it's one of those things you you either, oh, we've come across businesses that I don't know, they've they've managed to fly by the seat of their pants for years. And I've often thought if they got hit by a bus and and their, their wife or their husband had to take over the business, what would they do? They would not know what to do. So it's actually a really good asset as well to have systems and processes documented in some format, as again, whether it's on paper or it's in software, because if you choose to sell your business at some point, if you've got um, systems and processes in place, that is an asset to your business. And it saves so much time. Correct. Because the time you spend to explain things over and over or the time you just try to manage, as you said, I know there's a lot of businesses out there. If you're going to take the owner out of that, no, but they won't be able Nobody to knows. go forward. Yes. And it's no good all that information being in your head. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes people say to us, oh, it's just quicker to do it myself. Yeah. And I hear that so many times and I go, I get it. It's quicker to do it yourself. I understand that. And I am guilty of it as well. Yeah. However, for long-term success, just stop and explain that process to somebody that can document it for your business or put it into your software or whatever it is. Because once it's done, it's done. Yeah. So with my PA, what we done and that works so well is we implement Trello because the amount of time I try to explain to her what I want you to do and this in the beginning, it just, it worked, but it take up so much time. Now I can be anywhere and I remember to do something, I go and put it in Trello, put it in that docket and I can put, pick up my phone and actually see that wherever she is, she can even do that task because she know it's their way to be done, move it over to the done. And I just thought that is a great system for small business owners to bring into their business, even if they don't have employees, but for themselves to yeah. keep track of what do I still need to do because our brains and our mind can be overflow from so much to-do list that we never get to the creative of it. That's right. And sometimes we get so caught up in our business that we don't actually end up doing the things we should do. I've, I've, and I'm, again, I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm not saying I'm the perfect business owner because I'm not, but I do find that we can very easily get caught up in tasks that are not valuable to our business long-term. So if you have employees, you've got to be really clear about what you want them to do. And then you're then working on the tasks that bring in the money that you're wanting to bring in. So, um, you know, using systems like Trello, Asana, ClickUp, all of those all have options for you to have to-do lists, to have systems and processes, to have workflow. It, you can put your assets in there for your social media. There are so many things you can do to streamline it. And those just what you have said then you can be anywhere that's all on our our mobile phone mm. um, we can be anywhere in the world and, and look at that not at the moment but you know we can be anywhere in the yeah. world and literally look at our phone and be communicating with people there's no excuse anymore and they're not expensive we all know that now these sorts of systems are not expensive yes. um, so they're yeah they're very worthwhile 
So Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. That is so valuable for everyone listening to this and is in the process to either just bring their business in line with systems or even to just think a bit outside the box and take that little bit of challenges or take on a partner or take on an employee. That was really valuable. To wrap up today, what is your favorite phrase that you would like to share? Each and every day, you have to choose and cultivate your own happiness. If you'd like to know more about Natalie, you can find her details in the episode description. Next time, it's the final episode of this series, and we will be talking to someone who's already had an amazing career, but decided now is the time to change paths. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I believe in you. You've been listening to the I Believe in You podcast. If you're interested in learning some tips for your business, Lazelle's online course is now available with a 10-week program focusing on turning your passion into a business. The course covers the eight important steps on setting your business up from branding to launch with a step-by-step guide to help you achieve your goals. The I Believe in You workbook is also available for purchase through our online portal. You can find all the details in this episode's description. This podcast is proudly sponsored by our local Bendigo Bank mobile relationship managers and produced by Bad Bard Productions.